0: Alright, I want to open today with Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Um, and I'm reading from the King James version. and it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is something Jesus told us to do. He basically said this is step one in making disciples. And Disciples is what we want to be. A disciple is a wholehearted follower of Christ, someone who is modeling their life after Jesus to become like them. In the olden days, you might be a a disciple of a carpenter, and then you would learn carpentry. You could be the disciple of a plumber. You would learn plumbing. You can be a disciple. Whatever it is That you were discipling in, that's what you were becoming. You would find someone who was what you wanted to be, and then you would disciple under them, and you would become what they are. We are Jesus' disciples, and we will become what He is. I love that when we look at the disciples, how many of you ever noticed? the disciples were not all geniuses. Like, the disciples made stupid mistakes. They did stupid things. They bickered. They fought. You know, don't point at anybody, but does it sound like anybody you know? Jesus wasn't looking for perfect people. (laughs) There was even an occasion when Jesus called Peter Satan. So get thee behind me, Satan, for you don't even know what you're doing or why you're doing it. And a lot of times when we think of discipleship, we think of the disciplines that come along with discipleship. And this is not a wrong thing to think. As a Christian, we need to be in God's word. We need to pray. There's a time for fasting. We should be serving others. We should be attending church. We should be giving faithfully. Those are all important aspects of discipleship. Those are the disciplines. And I want to see people growing in those things. And nobody would teach against those things. But it's interesting. Jesus said the first thing a believer should do is to be baptized. Now, why? Why? What? What is that? He says, basically, this is the first step. How many of you realize that's the first of more than one step? So some of you are here and you're like, well, if we're going to talk about baptism already, I already got baptized, so I don't know if this applies. There is always a next step. If you have been If you accepted Jesus into your heart, Jesus says, hey, my recommended next step is baptism. But if you've already been baptized, then you have a different next step. Are you continuing to step forward? It could be one of those disciplines. It could be prayer. It could be getting in the word. It could be attending church. It could be serving. It could be witnessing to others. It could be giving. Your next step could be stopping something that you're already doing. But I want to read Acts chapter 17. Because every discipline that we mention, every one of the do's and don'ts that that come along with Christianity, the do's and don'ts that so many of us have actually defined Christianity as, all need to come under this uh, understanding. Acts chapter 17, and I've I've read this verse before. Paul says to a group of people, he says, As I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Then he goes in to explain. He says, You don't know who God is? I'm going to explain to you who he is. And this is why I love this verse because he's summarizing who God is, what God did, and why God did it. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the earth, and he marked their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. He did this. Which? What's this? The this is he created the world and created mankind. He did this so that they would seek him. He didn't do it so they would be baptized. He didn't do it so that they would pray, per se. He didn't do it so that they would attend church. He didn't do it so that they would rack up certain hours of community service. The real reason that God created the entire world, you and I, was because he desired for us to seek him and have a relationship with him. Every aspect of discipleship really comes back to that. Why does he want us to attend church? Well, because, you know, attendance at church is the real measure of spirituality of a community. No. Because he wants us to seek him and to grow closer to him and have a relationship with him and have a relationship with each other. So, attending church, learning about him, growing in your relationships with other Christians, helping them to grow in their relationship with Christ, that is all a means to the end of relationship. With Christ when when he says that he wants us to be baptized it isn't because of a legalistic desire to to create a list and check a list how many of you like love lists my wife's hand went straight up she loves lists in a way I can never understand and how many of you love that feeling of checking something off of your list you know, I, I think that we sometimes attribute that behavior to God and we think that, that he is looking down at us and he's looking at what we do for him and that he is just oh good oh they went to church, check, check, oh that feels so good. Oh, oh, they they opened their Bible, check, oh that feels so good. Oh, they're praying. Check. Ooh, love those checks. No, the real benefit, the real joy that God derives from our discipleship and our disciplines and when we take the next steps is the relationship that he recognizes is being achieved there. When we attend church, he is excited, not because he gets to check something off a list, but because he recognizes, hey, you're there because you're seeking relationship with me. You're there, and it's helping other people achieve a relationship with me. That is what gives God great joy. And when he looked down and he said, hey, go out preach the gospel, teach people that they would repent and be baptized. He set baptism up as the next step. But I just want to encourage you, if that is your next step, there's still time, we've got those bags. But if you've already taken that step, then the the, the invitation of Jesus wasn't hurry up, check off this list, sit down, and watch everyone else work their way through the list. The, The call is to grow in relationship with him as we go through these disciplines. He says, come, repent, and then identify with me in baptism." I'm going to take a few minutes, and I want to talk about what what is baptism? Why do we do it? Well, first of all, Jesus told us to. I mean, that is simple enough. He said, and we read read it in Matthew 28. He said, go, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if if that was the only reason, that would be reason enough. But it also demonstrates a public commitment. Matthew 10, 32, verse 33 says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. You realize God is seeking a relationship with us, but he says, I don't want you to be ashamed of me. When we are baptized, it is a very public, obvious commitment. We're saying, hey, I do this. I think of it as, as kind of like the wedding ring. Now, we recognize that a wedding ring doesn't marry you. You go to the jewelry store, you can try on... all you single people, you can try on a ring, and it doesn't mean you're married. Putting that ring on your hand doesn't mean you're married. But when you are married, demonstrating, showing the world, hey, I'm taken. I'm committed to someone else. Don't bother flirting with me. <laughs> my, my wife... My kids have 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 laughed at it when they go when she goes to the store if she forgets to have her ring on. Like some of you may know that I'm not good looking for that to happen to me. But my wife notices if she is not clear to the world that she's committed people come to test the waters. And Jesus says that one of the things is I want you to profess, to be public about your uh, your relationship with me. A third reason that we do it is because, as I mentioned before, a disciple is someone who becomes like their mentor. We are to follow Jesus' example. And even Jesus got baptized. In fact, we we think about it, you know, like, I drive to to church. I drive. Occasionally, I'll forget something at the office. I'm like, oh, I've got to drive back and go get it. So I just, you know, hop in the car and I drive back and go get it. 20 miles later, Jesus walked for hours just to get to the Jordan River where John the Baptist was at, be baptized, and then walked for hours to get back. He, he went to great lengths to do it, and he is our example. He went from Nazareth to Galilee. It's a long walk. Number four, and this is a big one, because it demonstrates and symbolizes our connection with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? we were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. A new life. Baptism is designed to symbolize and even mimic death, burial, and resurrection. That is what baptism symbolizes. The scripture is clear about it. And this brings me to a, to a thought. What about sprinkle baptism? I could get you. <laughs> some faith traditions baptize with a sprinkle. Some, ba- some faith traditions baptize infants. Why do we have this giant tank? I'll tell you why. When we look in Scripture, there is not a single instance when baptism was taken place through sprinkling. Every time. The Bible says that Jesus came up out of the water when he was baptized, and then the Holy Spirit came down on him. That there is every occasion that describes it talks about the water going into the water, coming out of the water. It is always about that. Now, we're doing it this way because we want to copy what the Bible did. And also, when we recognize that it is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection, we recognize that sprinkling doesn't picture a burial very well. And now... Some of you may be thinking, well, what if I was baptized by sprinkling? Does that mean anything? First of all, it's a symbol. Secondly, and this is another big thing, is when we look in Scripture, it says repent and be baptized. So the first step was what? Repentance. How many of you ever met a nine-month-old baby who repented? No. At that point, there isn't repentance. Now, is there anything wrong with bringing your child to the church and dedicating him to the Lord? Absolutely not. That's what they did with Jesus. And all of the young Jewish children, that that was the tradition. The Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple when he was eight years old. And it tells us the story about Simon, a man who had been prophesied to that he would see the Messiah before his death and had been waiting to meet him. And they brought Jesus to the temple and they dedicated him to the Lord where they said, hey, this is our son and we commit to raising him. Now... For those who are getting baptized, if you guys have not already slipped out, we're getting close. If you want to slip out there, get totally ready, and then come back and meet us when it's time, that would be awesome. So Jesus, um, and we covered a lot of this same stuff in the class before, so then it's a little bit of a a repeat for you guys. Um, Jesus was dedicated. He was brought at only eight days old. He was brought to the temple, and he was dedicated. When when someone says, well, what about my infant baptism? I would say from a biblical perspective, infant baptism is very much like a dedication. It's an act that the parents partake in of committing to raise their child in the ways of the Lord. It's not a choice that the child made. It's a commitment of dedication on the part of the parents. I have no desire to diminish the value of a child dedication. I would simply point out that when the Bible describes baptism, it is something we do after repentance. So if you were baptized as a child, I'm happy for you. That means your parents cared enough about you to say Publicly to others, we desire our child to grow up in the ways of the Lord, and that is to be applauded. But as we look through Scripture and we see that Jesus recommends that we repent and be baptized, that we repent and then identify ourselves with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, I think we have to recognize that is something different. It's something different than being sprinkled as a baby. We, for that reason, and, and you may say, well, well when can you? Here, here at the church, we'll baptize children who understand that Jesus died for their sins, that they have made mistakes, they repent of those mistakes, and they want to make Jesus the Lord of their life. And, and I'm not here to tell you that your kid has to be a certain age. If your child has that understanding and says, you know what, man, I, I heard what they were talking about. I want to get baptized. Sign them up next time. If, if they don't seem to be paying a whole lot of attention and they're not really interested, don't force them. Let's wait until this is a decision they can make. I'm excited that my youngest will be getting baptized today. And I'm not telling any parent, please don't force this on your children. Let this be something that they get to participate in. Of course, you can encourage them. Say, hey, have you thought about it? Have you considered? But... And that brings us to another point. Some places, some people have heard that if I'm not baptized, I'm not going to heaven. Let's just think about that for a second from a biblical perspective. When Jesus was on the cross, there was a man next to him who professed his belief in Jesus as the Messiah. He was being crucified. He was nailed to the cross. And Jesus responded to him and said, You, I'm paraphrasing, but in response to his profession of his belief, in his status as the Messiah, Jesus turned to him and said, You will be with me in paradise. In other words, eternal life, salvation is yours. Did he get baptized? No. No. No, he didn't. We acknowledge that baptism is not what instills salvation. We don't have to fear. And that, that is one of the reasons that many parents have been like overbearing about trying to get their children to choose to be baptized. Because they had this idea that, that if you're not baptized, you're not forgiven. That's not what we see in Scripture. I, I thought it was interesting. I was doing some some looking into, you know, where did the infant baptism start? And it's nowhere in Scripture. But if you look into it, you'll see lots of people quoting what somebody else did another time. No, nothing from Scripture, just, you know what, this, this famous uh, theologian from way back when, and this person, and this person, and just because other people did it at some point. We don't, we don't know who first got the idea. We know it didn't come from Scripture. That's all we know. But it was being done, and so they kept doing it. And at some point, someone got the concept that, well, if they haven't, then they're not saved. That is not the case. Each week, with very few exceptions... I quote to you Romans 10, 9, and 10 and talk about how it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. That is what the scripture tells us. Now, it does tell us when you've repented, then yes, Jesus says this is the next step. And I'm excited to take that next step with a group of people here in a minute, but it's not, um, it's not a necessity for salvation. I'm trying to see here. I got out of order. We're getting baptized. Uh, we talked about infant baptism. We talked about immersion. We talked about um, child dedication. We're going to just mention That baptism involves a confession. We're going to, as people come up, we're going to ask them, who is your Lord and Savior? And they will confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Romans 6, 3 says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That is what we are excited to share. In it's, it's like the happiest funeral ever. Because we're recognizing the death of our sin nature, but the life of Christ's nature in us.